love has done its part And let him reign in my life and my heart If love has done its part Welcome to Healing Hidden Wounds Radio, sponsored by Shadow of His Wings Ministry. We are glad you are listening today and hope you find words of healing, insight, and restoration. Shadow of His Wings Ministry was founded by Lee and Shay Preston and born out of God's vision for setting captives free. If you would like to support us in the work we do, please visit www.shadowofhiswingsministry.com to donate. Today on Healing Hidden Wounds, Lee is talking with Jonathan Darty, director of Be Broken Ministries. Let's listen in as Lee and Jonathan discuss the ins and outs of recovery from sexual brokenness. to uh, enter a realm. <laughs> you know, I always have I always have fun with uh, Lee on the program because, you know, before when we were off air, he's telling me in the in the hallway, he's saying, yeah, we're going to go into, you know, some territory I don't think we've ever gone into. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, here we go. What are we up to now, right? Because, you know, Lee, Lee freely throws around all these terms that make all of our listeners nervous. But, hey, that's what we do. We're, we, we, we intentionally titled this program Pure Sex Radio. So, I mean, we're going to talk about sex and sexuality. But this topic is an interesting one because there's a – we really haven't even decided how we're going to name what we're doing because I think – Part of what's going on here, there's going to be sort of an exploration of what is it we're talking about and how do you put terminology to it. But I guess, Lee, I would say that we're going to start out maybe with dealing with a term that's already out there and maybe sort of debunking it or or deconstructing it in a way. And the term is sexual anorexia. Right. And so why don't you first of all tell our listeners what the sort of the public definition is out there currently of that and then how we're going to start deconstructing that to show what it really is, what's what's really behind that, and maybe, I don't know, along the way, create some new words to go along with what we're talking about here. Great, Jonathan. Well, I think, um, you know, of course, there's lots of folks out there who've had different definitions for sexual anorexia, but they all seem to come down to just kind of an idea that, in general, a sex addict becomes unable to connect intimately and the term anorexia kind of gives the flavor that he's like intentionally starving his wife uh, emotionally, sexually, or even himself, right? or even himself, right? And so a lot of the times that can put a, a, a big pressure on a man who's coming out of sexual addiction and now he's supposed to be this great lover in the bedroom. And I know the the myth probably is for most wives, well, you know, he sure has made a life of having sex, and so he's obviously done really well at it to have uh, whatever his addiction is, whether it's to have prostitutes or magazines or internet or, you know, anonymous sex, all those things. He, he's done sex very well because he's addicted to it. But the problem is, is that it's not necessarily that he's done it well, it's just that he's done it against God's best, and so therefore maybe he's never really known what making love is, he only knows what sex is. Yeah, and so it becomes a very, it, it very quickly, and this is the way the sexual addiction, I think, works, is it very quickly becomes a performance-driven type of an activity, meaning the the measure by which a man 
sort of evaluates himself when he's involved in a sexual addiction is how well does he perform? That's right. Whether it's with his wife or masturbating or what, it's all about this physical performance of, hey, I was, ever since I was a kid, I was told you need to look at this, you need to do this, you need to be sexual, be a man, and that means conquering and having all these escapades. And so in that sense, it kind of drives that performance mentality. And and what you're saying is kind of the way this sexual anorexic term is generally viewed is, and therefore, when he starts getting in recovery, he just pulls away from all of that and tries to just stop being sexual. Right. It's kind of how it's generally defined. Right. Almost like it's an intentional adventure, an intentional journey down this path of I will just shut my sexuality down mm-hmm. altogether. And I would try to debunk that a little bit in my own uh, recovery as well as working with men, that I don't think it's an intentional shutting down. It's more of a, uh-oh, I, now that I'm not doing it the way I've always done it, I don't really know how to do it. Interestingly, I think it's no different from the path that the addiction takes you, which is the path of least resistance. Absolutely. Because if you, if you think about it, okay, the addiction is go the path of least resistance, which is do whatever feels good, and it leads to this horrible, destructive, self-destructive, relationally destructive uh, sexual behaviors. And then a guy starts saying, I, I need to deal with this because it's not working. It doesn't, that's not what brings health and happiness and all this. And so then he starts working in recovery, and doesn't he also then discover there's a lot of hard things you have to do in recovery that are not comfortable, and so it seems like the path of least resistance is... Man, avoid the emotional connection. Avoid all the difficulty of what it is to really bond and build a healthy relationship. Right. And and even, I would again say, even not in, a, not in an intentional avoidance. Because right. I've sat and watched sometimes in my counseling sessions, and you may even r- recognize this this expression, but this guy who's sitting there with this deer-in-the-headlights look on his face when somebody says, you're intentionally avoiding, and he's looking around going... I really didn't know I was intentionally avoiding. I just don't know how to connect, period. Yeah. And and the thing is, I mean, and then that, that then escalates a wife. Sure. Because she's thinking, oh, this is just a bunch of baloney because, hey, there's been a history of lies. Sure. And so his cluelessness appears to her like another cover-up. And so you can kind of see how this can sort of spiral out of control Absolutely. for a while. And and I think in some ways it's, it's a little bit of a, and I don't mean to to denigrate a bunch of counselors out there, but I think sometimes it's a little bit of a cop-out to just toss out the sexual anorexic term as, now, okay, we've labeled him. He's a sexual anorexic. Right. And and I think that's, in some ways, a little bit of a therapeutic laziness. <laughs> well, it's truly counterproductive to any help for that Absolutely. guy. And why Be- is that? Why do you think that is? Because at that point, what that guy says is, here's one more place that I'm failing, and now I've got one more hoop to jump through. I've got to make sure I've got an erection every single time my wife's ready for intimacy or that I should be initiating intimacy. I've, it's got to be perfect. Otherwise, somebody's going to say I've got sexual anorexia. Well, but don't you think it also it also provides for some guys uh, their own cop-out? I'm a sexual anorexic. Right. You know, and kind of he can just stop trying. He can stop, you know, he can just become emotionally lazy and just, not, you know, not do any of the engagement. Hey, if I don't... If I don't get an erection, the, the you know, counselor said I'm a sexual anorexic, so sure. that's just the way I am, you know? Definitely. I think that probably more leads to a guy who just says, well, then I'll just keep masturbating and looking at porn Absolutely, for the rest of my yeah. life, because if I can't ever really enjoy sex, then I might as well just do it on my own. Um, I think the saddest part about it is if you look at it, you've got kids. I mean, a lot of us have started our sexuality at 10, 11 years old. 
Well, since between since ten and eleven up until now, a lot of guys have strictly gone after the lust aspect of sex. They didn't know any different. It was exposed to them in an, at a young age, whether it was by porn or somebody exposing them to sexuality at a young age. That's not true God-given gift of sex. That is lust. And so all he's really ever felt in his body is a lusty response to mm-hmm. the sexual gift that God gave him. And then the fact that it's also promoted Absolutely. You you were mentioning to me earlier about how, isn't it amazing how when we're kids, especially as young boys, it's it's promoted that we express sexuality, that we be that we be aggressive, that we look and that we lust and that we engage you know, engage porn and it's almost expected that we do that. And so like you said, it just creates this sort of natural lust response that's in connection with anything sexual. Absolutely. Well, kids are taught very young. Hey, look, check her out. Look at her. Look at the whatever's on that one. Hey, check this one out. And so immediately the guy is is taught that this is the thing I do. I start looking. Mm-hmm. And so then you've got this lusty response. So this guy, all he knows is how to have sex in a lusty way. So then he ends up doing whatever he does up until the time he finds a, a person to marry. He gets married. Then all of a sudden, that sex turns lusty because he may really love the person. He may really love her. He may want to show her good things. But the lust is all he's ever known. And so lust wears off in a marriage after a while. And then you've just got the marriage now. Mm -hmm. And so that's when all the addictions keep coming back in. Then he gets some some major disaster happens where she says, I'm done, or you can't keep doing this. and Or he catches it himself, which is lesser of the case. But right. You know, then finally he says, okay, I I want help. So he starts getting help. The lust starts to die down because he's not doing the same old behaviors he's done since he was 10 or 11. And so therefore, lust isn't the big driving force behind his sexuality anymore. Now he's got to figure out what is supposed to be the driving force. Well, guess what it is? Love. He's supposed to, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. He's supposed to begin looking at love for his wife as that motivator to want to be close to her. And that's when in your counseling sessions you get the clueless look from the guy who That's right. You know, when she's saying he's pulling away, he's not engaging and and it's like, yeah, he's totally ignorant. And I'm I'm thinking that's a term that may come up quite a bit during this broadcast because as you're talking, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, yeah, it's not necess- we need to replace this idea, I think of intentional abandonment from intimacy and recovery and place it more with the term, I think, ignorance. I think there are a lot of guys that have developed a sexual addiction, and then when they start realizing that that doesn't work in a relationship or as an individual, they they have to come face-to-face with the fact that they are clueless. Absolutely. To how to love and how to be intimate. Absolutely, and I think it, it came to me a little clearer Probably because of my background. I mean, this is the Healing Hidden Wounds segment, which is about same-sex attraction. And I think I saw it a little clearer because I had no really background to kind of go on except sex with men. Mm -hmm. And so then I began, okay, I'm married now and I've got to figure out, you know, how how do I get better at loving this person I'm with now? And realizing that love is not the same as lust. And most guys, I don't think, ever understand that. And I saw that in my counseling sessions as well, when these guys would come in and had no same-sex background, but they'd had prostitutes and porn, and they had internet and all this kind of stuff, and they'd had masturbation. Lust, even there, is still not love. It doesn't create love. It just creates an erection. Yeah, so basically, uh, for anybody who's got some notion out there that heterosexual lust is somehow 
closer to love than homosexual lust, it's all lust. And none of, it, none of it actually connects with the idea of what love is. And it never will. Lust says, do whatever you have to to reach orgasm. Mm-hmm. That's all it says. Yeah, it focuses on that biology, that physical act of sex. That's right. What, whatever need needs to happen to make that happen, that's all I'm looking for. Whereas love, and that's why most guys, once they get cleaned up a little and they don't have the lust anymore, they start experiencing erection difficulties. How do I keep it up? How do I do this? Well, they don't know how anymore because they've always used porn and thoughts in their head and images in their head to try to keep things revved up. And now they're cleaning up so they don't have those around so much anymore. Mm -hmm. Well, that freaks out a wife because then a wife's going, wow, you were supposed to be a sex addict so you could perform well for every other person you had sex with. But now you're just with me and you can't perform well. And she's feeling rejected or she's thinking she's unattractive and all these other kind of kind of things. Which adds what to him or performance anxiety, which causes even more trouble in the erection department. Mm -hmm. And the next thing he knows is he does just kind of back away from sex because I'm not good at it anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, then, you know, I just keep this idea of, you know, you're talking about this, these counteracting ideas of lust and love. I mean, th- talking through that a little bit more, I mean, what are some of the primary differences you see between you talk about that lusty response versus what does love begin to look like in a relationship? What is what is love at, in opposition to this lust? I mean, how does that transition start to take place? How does a guy start to engage loving his wife when he's only known really how to be lustful in regards to sexuality? Well, love takes work. Lust doesn't. Mm-hmm. And that's scary for some guys because... Well, what kind of work? I mean, just maybe throw out a few examples. I know we're not going to... This isn't like counseling over the air, but just, I mean, in terms of some of the real common things that pop up as far as as where the breakdowns occur and where guys really may have the most difficulty in saying, I'm trying to engage love, but I don't get it. Well, making love is a great term to start. You have to make it happen. It's not just, hey, I walk in the room, I've got an erection because I've been thinking about porn all day and now I'm ready to have sex. It's making love it's sometimes you get into bed naked together and you just spend some time together and then you start to realize that you find yourself getting closer and you talk and you share with each other and you even you know explore one another's bodies in a different way than just sexual we don't go straight for the you know the intercourse piece of Mm -hmm. it that develops love and then before you know it you begin to feel that love i always say that kissing revs up the love machine Porn, images, sex, sexual thinking revs up the lust machine. Mm-hmm. If you begin, you know, a lot of couples I work with say, you know, yeah, oh yeah, we kiss a little bit before we have sex. And it's like, how much? Well, maybe three times and it's time to go to right, straight to yeah. the sex. And that's what we tend to do is we, we find sex once we're married. If we've been pure, if not, then we just find it when we get married. And it's like the making out phase is gone now. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't do that, then you don't rev up the love machine. If you don't spend time knowing the person and being intimate and talking intimately with one another. And I mean, finding out thoughts and hopes and dreams and all that kind of stuff. Well, you know, I'm already seeing a massive difference between the lust and the love in terms of simply a time element. Absolutely. Huge difference. Just what you're talking about there as far as just being in bed and and touching and talking and kissing and all these things that are not, like you said, zeroed in on intercourse, which is, again, the addiction will drive a guy, or, well, we can just talk about lust. I mean, lust will drive a person to focus so uh, much on 
the end result, which is typically orgasm. I mean, that's what it, that's how guys, that's right. how men, little boys and men are trained sexually is you are less than unless sexually you have an orgasm. Absolutely. And so I think it's you're you know you're already painting a huge difference here because, um, you know I've heard it said that men can be looked at as microwaves when you talk about sexuality and women are crockpots. And and so the idea here is if you think about the time element, if a guy's been trained in his lust, then the time element is a matter of minutes Absolutely. in terms of what his goal is. Whereas there's this other part of love that you're talking about that will love. No, love takes time. Love is not right. and love is not always only in the bedroom. There's all these other aspects to it that you can already see a massive difference there between the two. Well, and, and the sad part about that is, is I would offer that perhaps God never intended for men to be microwaves. Mm-hmm. That really what he's always intended, that men also be crockpots, but that because they were taught at such a young age, I mean, if you think about even in the guys we work with in, a, in addiction, most guys have started at 10 or 11. All they knew was grab a hold of my penis, masturbate till I ejaculate, and that's all that I care mm-hmm. about. Throw some porn in there to make it better. And, and you know what? Every time I've heard that microwave crockpot thing, I've thought the same thing that you just said there. And what's interesting is, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give away a little secret here on the radio. Right. I actually have discovered something after almost 16 years of marriage that women can be microwaves when they're loved right. Absolutely. And so you're right. It's sort of an interchangeable thing that it's amazing the the awakening that can happen in sexuality in a marriage when love is what's driving the bus, so to speak. Absolutely. And that is, I think, a key, and I think that's what bothers me the most about the term sexual anorexia is because mm-hmm. I really don't think, in my in my eyes, I don't really see guys sitting there saying, you know what, I'm just intentionally going to pull away. I'm just going to intentionally starve myself or my partner or my wife from sex. I'm just going to pull away from her intentionally. I think it really is a fear thing, and mm-hmm. I think what I find amazing and what I've watched in my own marriage as well as other marriages is once it became so comfortable in the bedroom that a couple could just say, okay, so you don't have an erection right now. Let's just enjoy each other for a little while. All the pressure kind of lifted off and amazing things start to happen. But a guy doesn't know what to do with that initially. All he knows Mm -hmm. is, is from 10 years old, I've had to get an erection. I've done it. It was easy. I looked at porn for a little while. I'm asking. And I've had to get a release with every erection. Absolutely. It's not, it's it's like a, it becomes not even an option in a guy who's developed a sexual addiction, who's fed the lust machine, to even consider that even if you do get an erection, that you don't have to ejaculate. That's right. It's like, again, everything becomes so orgasm driven, so performance driven that love is is on a whole different set of different paradigm, a whole different plane. And the whole, the the crazy thing I think is so interesting is when you really talk to guys about their addiction and you, and you ask them, I've asked this question before. So you mean to tell me every time you sat before your computer, turned it on, watched porn for two or three minutes, got an erection, masturbated, ejaculated, it worked perfectly within five to seven minutes. And they say, well, no, of course not. So how much time did you spend at the computer sometimes? Oh, man, four or five hours sometimes. So you ejaculated every five to seven minutes that through that whole time period? Well, no, of course not. So there were times you couldn't get an erection? Sure, but I just kept trying until it happened. It's like, hmm, but you're not willing to do that in the bedroom with your wife? And so the process there is, is guess what? Sex has never been perfect. And it's not meant to be perfect with your wife. It's just supposed to bring you close to her. 
and connect with her. So even lust isn't perfect, but love is great because you don't have to perform. There's no mm -hmm. performance there. It's just enjoy her for a while. See what happens. And if it goes there, that's great. You know, I'm surprised your eyes aren't blackened more by your clients. <laughs> You just you just shoot straight, man. It's like okay, that's pretty convicting, you know, because it's like hey, even the even the addiction doesn't perform like you want it absolutely. to all the time. You know, guess what? I was there. I remember sure, the nights absolutely. looking at the clock at ten o'clock, thinking, okay, I'm just going to look at porn for a few minutes here, and looking up later at four o'clock in the morning, and I've been there for six hours, mm -hmm. and and it doesn't always go the way you want it, and 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 it, and that's the crazy thing about addiction. You know, we think it was always oh, I was always great sexually in my addiction. No, uh, sex is never perfect. So, you know, again, I want to kind of come back to this ignorance term because I really feel like what that's a, what this is a, a lot about. Because when you mentioned about the fear, again, you don't think it's an intentional abandoning of uh, even the responsibilities of their connection to their wives. It's more of this. Um, pulling away out of fear. And I think that fear is driven by ignorance. We don't like to engage what we don't know. Right. So then kind of shifting gears here for our last little bit of time that we have, how, how would you begin to help a person become more, um, I guess, confident in their knowledge and, and become move away from ignorance to knowledge regarding, and I'm, I'm talking about knowledge, not in the head sense of knowledge, but knowledge in the application sense. Because to know love, you must engage love. Right. And so how do you begin to shift a person to that, to, away from the ignorance to where they become, in essence, more comfortable, I guess familiar is a better term, more familiar with love versus lust? What are some of the first steps you... Well, I think for a man, one of the first steps is realizing that he no longer has to focus all of his attention and his thoughts and his hopes on his penis that it's not just going for the for the ejaculation the orgasm that's not the goal anymore and i'm quoting a client of mine he said you know it was amazing the first time after we talked i realized okay i'm going to try it and i started focusing on my wife's earlobes and her neck and the back of her arms and he said i felt like i had a whole body orgasm not just what mm -hmm. it used to be yeah and uh and i think that's a great thing to start you know, because if you can start focusing on it's really not my job here just to get to an orgasm. It's to connect well with my wife emotionally, physically, spiritually, and sexually. That's the first place. I think the second thing is is you have to do some educating together as husband and wife that the way we've always done it, which was I roll over with an erection. She says this is she realizes, okay, you're interested. The husband kind of plays around with her for a little while. There's a, you know, maybe three and a half minutes of foreplay, and then they go straight for intercourse. She's probably used to that. And so when you don't get an erection right away as you start this process, she might be a little afraid at first. Like, uh-oh, is he not interested in me? Is this the whole, you know, he's rejecting me. He doesn't want me. He'd rather have Miss October, you know. But as you talk more about it, that, you know what, I want to love you well all over. I don't want to just have sex with you, then that can change her mindset as well. And I think that's a good point to make because this is sort of a, this is a, a, a total relationship transformation because the, the, the idea of sexual anorexia, that term places all the pressure on who? Absolutely. The man. The man, right? All the pressure's on him. And right. again, it gets back into that performance mentality. Whereas if you start thinking of it as, 
you know, there's there's sort of this umbrella of intimacy ignorance that is that stems across our relationship because the the sexual anorexia puts all this pressure on the husband and it's then it kind of gives the wife their own little cop out. Yep, as soon as he becomes this amazing lover, then everything will be better. As right. if as if she doesn't have some growth to do as well because hey, when he when he can't or doesn't respond physically the way she's got been used to, right. She's got to be able to say this is not necessarily about me and my right. body and my attractiveness and all this. It's it's a learning curve for both of them. Absolutely. And do I love him well even through his lack of erection right yeah. now? Or am I going to beat him over the head with the performance club again and right. say you're not performing well and so I'm scared and Right, because it is fear. I mean I it's not it's not intentional, but it is sure. fear. It's like, uh oh, he's not interested in me and just like he's going through fear, uh oh, it's not working the way it should. But when you both kind of look at each other and say, so, doesn't mean I love you any less. Let's keep doing what we're doing. Let's just enjoy each other. You know, that's why I love the the psalm. There's a psalm 56.3 that says, when I'm afraid, I'll trust you. And I'm thinking, what a great sort of anchor for a couple in this. It's like, when when I'm afraid, am I going to trust God that what he says, you know, to that we're to love one another, that we're to encourage one another, we're, we're to be close to one another Despite all circumstances, because quite honestly, uh, erection or no erection, that's simply a circumstance. Right. And so the idea is, man, when either one of you are afraid, is it going to be, am I going to trust God and say that I can still move closer to my spouse? I also love the fact that in the Bible it tells Jesus himself is the one that said it's better to give than to receive. Right. And I absolutely love that the context of that passage, there's actually no context given. Meaning, meaning in terms of when he said it or what the specific context in which he said it, because I think it applies across all boundaries of any circumstance. Absolutely. So the idea is when I'm, if 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 a husband if if he's feeling the performance anxiety, like I can't, I'm not performing the way I used to. What happens when he starts getting in a giving mindset? Right. It's like, well, listen, I I'm when I'm concerned about my performance, I'm no longer thinking about my wife and how what I can give to her because, you know what, we, we falsely assume as men that what she wants all the time is what we want all the time. Absolutely. And vice versa. And so I think these are some some principles that I think will help our listeners. And I just, you know, we're going to have to wrap up right here, but do you have any closing comments before we... Just that uh, I think that it's a whole new mindset when you begin to change your idea of lust versus love. We are glad you joined us today, and we hope that God had a special word just for you. Remember that Healing Hidden Wounds and Shadow of His Wings Ministry are listener-supported, and all services are provided on a donation basis. If you heard something today that was especially important to you, we hope you will consider donating a gift. Please visit www.healinghiddenwounds.com to donate today. Now let it rain in my life and my heart. Your love has done its part. Now let it rain.